Hello, my name is Ryan Broderick, and I am currently wearing a very fun shirt. Would you say this shirt is fun, Luke? I don't think there's ever been a fun shirt. You don't think this is like a fun shirt? Sure. <laughs> With me is my co-host, Luke. Yes. Welcome to the show. Hi. Yes, I am Luke. Uh, I am going to apologize right now for the probable sound interruption that's going to happen because we have gone from glorious summer into glorious summer storms. Uh, so, like, I can, I can, right now, I can hear the storm through my headphones. So, I'm going to guess that the microphone's picking it up. I can't hear the storm. Okay. Well, I can't hear it over how fun my shirt is. <laughs> Welcome to the Content Minds. We are doing one more fun grab bag, clearing out the bookmarks episode before we launch back into our ongoing mission to chronicle, archive, and explain every horrible thing about the news cycle every single week. <laughs> so we've got some really fun stuff lined up for you. I really, really, really want to talk about Chrissy Teigen. <laughs> oh, yes, we have to call Chrissy Teigen. Uh, I really want to talk about... Um, some thoughts I have about the HBO show Mayor of Easttown. I also want to talk about that. And I want to talk about some other random things that I've come across. But first, Luke, because you're going to yell at me if I don't ask this and set up the whole episode. Luke, how is the internet this week? I'm going to take a slightly unusual approach to this. I feel like the internet has been restrained. I feel like we're experiencing different internets then because I feel That's like entirely I have- possible. I have too much going on. I feel like uh, when the Three Stooges walk through the door and they get stuck, that's me with internet content right now. Oh, no. I So I kind of buy that. But I feel like the result of that getting stuck is that no one's – it feels like a bunch of people have logged off. Okay. I'm glad you brought this up because I've been feeling this way since like basically August. And I feel like people just like got off the internet. And, and it might be that we're just experiencing the way the internet was before the pandemic but it feels like just like a huge chunk of people have left the internet like i want to be clear i'm oh god okay so (laughs) there's really two ways to interpret that one is that everyone has reset their lives and re uh like changed their relationship with the internet and how they do work and a lot of different things uh that's you know really done their relationship that means that they have a different relationship with this i think i know where you're gonna go with this the others are all dead oh man yeah i didn't think about that i didn't think about the death toll of a global pandemic making the internet seem like a smaller place well let's fo- let's pretend and let's focus on the first one which is that a lot of people just decided i don't want to be on the internet anymore and they left i think that's probably what happened but you know who didn't leave the internet who chrissy fucking tegan <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm going to do a bit of uh, inside the newsroom insight here, where ooh, okay, um, yeah, where basically Chrissy Teigen, what was it? Ah, uh, God, it must be about three months ago now when she first did her. I'm leaving the internet. I'm done. Yes, I was confused about this. I thought that she had returned recently from that one, but she had come back from that one, then left again. Right. So when this happened, I said she'll come back, and I was like, seems like she's left. 
this is a trend. And I was like, it's not a trend. They'll come back. They're all as <laughs> basically, uh, there was a really interesting email around, uh, email was a post. I can't remember who it was, but someone did a really interesting post, uh, a, a day ago, a few days ago, uh, about what YouTubers have done. And they highlighted the case of Jenna Marbles, mm-hmm. who genuinely has left the internet. She's uh, gone. Yeah, she's gone. And like, oh, more power to her. Like, she escaped. She ascended. Uh. So I have a bit of insight on this because Garbage Day has started a YouTube channel. I'm officially uh, a, a, a Paul brother now. I'm I'm Ryan Paul. Um, Boston Paul. Yeah, that's right. And so I was doing research on Google ads because I was like, oh, I had this great idea. Where I was like, what if I just like made a bunch of YouTube videos and then made money off of those? Um, and actually, I know a guy I used to work with and he made a lullaby and posted it on YouTube and it became the top search thing for like lullabies. And that's just like a source of income he makes every month. Anyways, cool. if you're Jenna Marbles, you don't ever have to make content again because you have enough videos over a million views that you do not have to work. Yeah, almost definitely. Almost definitely. Uh, and I, the, the YouTube ad machine is perpetual and very powerful. Yeah, and I think that's fascinating. I think it definitely contributes to it. But yeah, the idea of leaving the internet is good and more people should do it. But Chrissy Teigen has not. So she has returned no, she has not. after she left the second time because she uh, was outed as a bully and she sent messages to, uh, to, to Courtney Stodden in 2011 telling Courtney Stodden to kill herself. And then, like, I, I, I think, I think there is a, there's also a line here in that the number of stuff that she did privately was astonishing. Like to me, genuinely surprised me. I think last week we talked about this, and I like made an offhand comment, being like, "That rules." Like Chrissy Teigen's messy, and I think that's funny. I want to take that back because I've actually read the DMs now, and they're genuinely crazy, and I don't think they're funny. I mean, I think they're. Like they're kind of crazy. Like they're crazy. I don't find them as 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 um, iconic as I previously said they were. It's really dark shit, and I. It does also. It, it says something really interesting about how we interact with the internet. That I think if she'd said that publicly, I would have the stuff that she said privately. Had I said it publicly, it would have been both funnier and more acceptable. And saying it privately makes it worse. And that's a really weird thing because, realistically, if she did that publicly it, it is worse it's more likely to lead more people pile on it's like a more aggressive way to do it but it somehow feels worse when she's done it privately yeah because it's not for like attention it's just to do it but that's what's really interesting because it doesn't make courtney stodden feel better that she's like oh it's fine she's just bullying me for attention not bullying me to bully me i don't think i don't think that would make me me feel better no, it wouldn't make me feel better at all. But I can also sort of understand the logic a little bit. And I, I have to say, like, I have never jumped into somebody's DMs and told them to kill themselves over and over again. That is something that I, I have done many dumb things on the internet, but I have not done that. I will publish my DMs if you continue with this lie. But, but, <laughs> but there was a brief moment a couple of years ago where I realized that Anthony Scaramucci was following me, which then gave me the ability to DM him. And I did briefly consider sending him a bunch of completely insane DMs. So I could see how Chrissy Teigen being like a completely terminal poster with like absolutely rotted, like, internet brain would want to do that but this isn't pre-terminal poster this isn't 2016 
terminal poster Chrissy. This is like 2011, 2010 stuff before she was a terminal poster. You don't become 2016 Chrissy Teigen without being that level of a poster years before. You got to work your way up. I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. I find it really hard to account for the idea that she was extremely aggressive and really unpleasant in private which makes it worse, and it shouldn't make it worse, but it does make it worse. The fact that she was aggressive and she wasn't doing it for attention, she wasn't doing it to be funny, she was attempting to just make this woman's life unpleasant. Yes. yes. And it was a 16-year-old at the time. It's like... It was... It, it is leg- it's legitimately, like, unwell shit. So she's returned with a Medium post. I want to read part of it just so our audience can kind of get an idea of, like, how she's explaining this. Can I throw... Sorry, can I throw one thing out? Is that she she titled this post, Hello Again. Yes? Yeah. No, she titled, she titled it... She titled it, Hi Again. Okay. So her previous post on Medium, if you scroll to the bottom, had the original title of Hello or Hi or whatever it was. Uh, which was about her miscarriage. Hi, yeah. Settle high. So the idea that these things are of both equal levels of trauma is incredibly disturbing because, you know, it, it entirely possibly it is, like that's how the internet works now, but also equal levels of one is a true personal tragedy and one is a dumb thing you did 10 years ago that you now have to deal with. And like, I find it yeah. fascinating that those two things that she considers essentially being of the same cloth. I think it probably says a lot about Chrissy Teigen as a person and how she sees being online. Yeah. So here's what she writes. She says, when I first started using social media, I had so much fun with it. I made jokes, random observations. Think of all the engineers working day and night to develop this amazing new platform and technology, connecting people all over the world to learn, create, and find kindred spirits. And I used it to snark at some celebrities. In reality, I was insecure, immature, and in a world where I thought I needed to impress strangers to be accepted. If there was a pop culture pile on, I took to Twitter to try to gain attention and show off what, at the time, I believed was crude, clever, and harmless. I thought it made me cool and relatable if I poked fun at celebrities. But she sent them as DMs. Like, nobody yeah. nobody knew about this. <sighs> it's... Yeah. I think it is... I think it in, in many ways, it is a really good look... At the kind of brain of a Twitter power user, I think it's. I think it, like yeah. it should be studied, perhaps, because there is like a level of cyberbully where like this is totally normal behavior for you, and you don't you don't think twice about it. And it also sort of confirms like what I think a lot of people over the years have felt about Chrissy Teigen without being able to fully articulate it, which is that like there's something weird about her whole deal, her whole like re- relatability index is strange. I mean, I go through a lot of different things of like how, and I think the most, the most important word about the the internet and kind of like how you interact with it, and this is the word that kind of scares me, is the idea of being mean, like just genuinely being mean, like being venomous for the point of it. And anyone who follows me on Twitter will know that I am constantly mean, and this is a bad way. Dude, for you're me to really come mean on the internet. Yep, I am. Although I try to be less mean. But it is it is I am a also thing trying that, to be less mean. Yeah. But it is it is a thing that you know, if you are constantly mean on the internet, uh particularly when you are someone who starts off with minimal or marginal following, marginal power, and marginal understanding of how it works. Like I think this is a big thing with Christy Teigen, is that she started off and experimenting, experimenting, spent 
experimented and eventually optimized what she was doing to be very, very good at being mean. And she was good enough at being mean that if you saw what she did, she was funny. And just because you're funny doesn't stop you being mean. Like, she was incredibly mean to people. And some of those people were the right people, quote. It was Trump or whatever. But the fact was she was still using the fact that she was funny to just be incredibly mean to people. And the people that she was mean to, and like, she did have a habit of, you know, quote, tweeting randoms and, yeah, breaking their account, essentially, you know. You're talking about the infamous Chrissy Teigen clapback, the the, yeah. the, the continual yes. clapbacks. And that's how you would see it written in, like, all kinds of, like, digital news sites. And she was essentially, like, her own trending topic. Every time she would quote tweet somebody, it would be the Chrissy Teigen clapback about this or that. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, she she quote tweets someone, she claps back, and then it's like, oh my god, this is amazing. And sometimes it's a you know a, another celebrity, sometimes it was on Alec Baldwin or Donald Trump or whoever, like whichever dickhead it might be. And sometimes it's just a completely random person who has their entire account bricked for the whims of a millionaire. Like, like I don't, God, I I feel this is bad because I genuinely don't believe that she's a bad person. And she's a slightly odd person like that. You know, she she she's done a lot of good things, but her Twitter persona was just became this bizarre clapback meanness that yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think it also reminds me a lot of something that we've talked about a ton on this show, which is escape velocity. And I wrote a little bit about this in Garbage Day. But it was, it was largely based on what you and I have talked about over the last couple months, which is most influencers now realize that if you become famous on the internet, you have to keep moving. You cannot become a TikToker. You cannot become a YouTuber. You have to take the audience you've built and move it around because if you don't, you could go down with the ship. Chrissy can kind of do because she did she – did, um the lip sync show. So this is the thing. Chrissy Teigen did do the smart thing. She like became a Twitter personality and then immediately started cashing in on it and making projects based on it. She also married John Legend, which not enough people do. More people should marry John Legend as a strategy to preserve themselves for the future. I've been trying to like get Garbage Day to a good place for you know this next half of the year, and I've been looking into marrying John Legend, but it is complicated because right. he does not know who I am and is currently married to Chrissy Teigen. They also got married in, uh, on Lake Como in Italy, which is obviously really complicated for you know uh, travel reasons, pandemic reasons. Right. So I'm hoping, I'll, I'll, I'm hoping to figure this out by the end of the year. So I hope that I can get married to, to John Legend next. Sure. But sure. It, but what? But here. But here is Chrissy Teigen's fatal flaw. Here's the main problem with Chrissy Teigen. Um, <laughs> it, it, that, that she needs to die before you can marry John Legend. Before <laughs> I can marry John Legend. <laughs> no, but here's the problem. Here's the issue. She did, like, create the Chrissy Teigen brand. She, like, built up, like, her food stuff, and she built up, like, her hosting stuff. And she was, like, she was, like, a 21st century social media infused, like, bon vivant. She's, like, the woman you put on, like, your panel show or, like, your award show. She's, like, she's, like, that person. But she didn't stop being Chrissy Teigen on Twitter. Everyone else realizes, like... Kim Kardashian is not running any of Kim Kardashian's social accounts now. Kylie Jenner is so filtered up that like she's probably not even in the photographs that she's being that she's posting. Like 
you have to at some point remove yourself from the social media aspect of this because if you don't, you will go down with the ship like any influencer. And the smart ones know that like at a certain point, you cannot just be someone who's farting around on Twitter all day because you will lose that game. That's true. She has lost the game and she will simply have to live in her Hollywood mansion for the rest of time, <laughs> knowing that she's lost the game. So she has lost, I guess, sponsorships from this. She's like been kicked out of like voice acting, something that she was going to be in. It, it does seem like it had some consequences, but like, also, I want to be clear. I don't give a shit if there's consequences for Chrissy Teigen. She's like a millionaire. Like, I don't care. This is not the show where we're like, Chrissy Teigen deserves to be put in Twitter jail for being mean to Courtney Stodden. Like, I don't like don't be crazy on the Internet. But also, like, it was 10 years ago and I don't care. <laughs> like I just don't care in my life, but I do think she's interesting. Yeah. I think I think her whole like Twitter compulsion, her self destructive internet behavior is very relatable to me. So I find that very interesting. <laughs> I feel like we should talk about this now because every single one of our listeners is going to want to talk about this. Oh, no, that's they're going to want us to talk about this. We need to talk about how Batman doesn't go down on women. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't write about this in Garbage Day because it happened, like, it all kicked off, like, I think on Monday afternoon. And then by this morning, Wednesday, like, the whole Batman eating pussy news cycle had <laughs> pretty much wrapped <laughs> up. And I, I felt like I just didn't need to wade into that. Um, so how do you feel about this? <laughs> Sorry, before I get into this, I want to read the Twitter, what Twitter wrote about this trend. Because, oh, you know, okay. Twitter's so is, trending thing. This is the flavor text for the tr- the trending topic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what this is? Okay. Batman, 145,000 tweets. People react to news of DC reportedly asking the Harley Quinn team to remove a specific scene from, scene from season three of the animated series. That's the whole thing. Just say what it is. If you're going to cover it, say what it is. Yeah. And that is both accurate and incredibly inaccurate so okay here's here's what this is all based on um the co-creator of the hbo max harley quinn show which i've heard is actually pretty good told variety in this third season of harley we had a moment where batman was going to go down on catwoman (laughs) and dc was like you can't do that you absolutely cannot do that they're like heroes don't do that so we said are you saying heroes are just selfish lovers and they were like no it's that we sell consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is going down on someone. <laughs> so my, my question to this is like, sorry, so is your issue that you're not going to sell Catwoman toys? If if I find out that Batman eats pussy, I'm not buying any toys of Batman anymore. I don't want I don't want any but, Batman but, but merch. Are you in my also house. are you also not buying Catwoman toys? I'm trying to think of like what Batman has done in recent movies that they think is somehow morally better than eating pussy. I'm pretty sure in the newest trailer for the Robert Pattinson Batman, there's a scene where he mercilessly beats the ever-living fuck out of a guy to the point where other people are asking him to stop. That's okay. Yeah, but (laughs) women's pleasure is not acceptable (laughs) in popular entertainment. That's right. 
Um, that's yeah, that's fine. Wait, there's <laughs> there's a scene in the Zack Snyder Batman where he brands a guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That is true. <laughs> he literally brands a guy, and then they make a comment how like that guy will get raped and murdered in jail if he's been branded by Batman. And DC is okay with that, but they're not okay with Batman eating out Catwoman. Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, you know what? I really can't. I can't poke any holes in that logic. That sounds great to me. Totally normal. Yeah. So this kicked off a huge debate, like an unbelievable debate in the Garbage Day Discord. And so I want to carry it over here. Which superheroes do you think do eat pussy, Luke? Uh, I mean, all right. I'm going to go through the Avengers uh, (laughs) one-on-one. Thor, no, has never had sex, does not truly understand what sex is is like he's just a big giant baby hulk no also a big giant baby uh but a different sort of big giant baby uh hawkeye did once and brings it up like every two days like he like he he, he did once e pussy but he yeah he brings it up every every three days the fact that he did once did that and it was 10 years ago now yeah uh, like yeah he, he he's really trying to like earn it black widow Probably has. Probably. Yeah, she'll do anything. She's a spy. Yeah, sure. Uh, Tony Stark has never successfully had sex without passing out. Yeah, no, he's never had sober sex. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Captain America, uh, terrified by his own penis. I assume that. I assume no. I, I mean, I don't know. You know what? It depends. Okay, I don't think Captain America had done it by the time by the end of the Marvel universe. But I think in that 10 minutes between him yeah. going back in time and then coming back, I think he probably did. Like, that was when he figured out his He life. went back in time and lived through the 70s. So he definitely yeah. has. He figured it I out. Th- I think Doctor Strange does it, but he talks a lot like he does. And then you find out that he's extremely boring in the bed. Doctor Strange feels like a fingers guy. He's got broken fingers. He can't do anything. That's true. Okay, right. So before the fingers incident... He was a fingers guy, and now he's a... Yeah. I don't think he'd be... I think if he was that good of a surgeon, I think he'd be worried about using his fingers in any sexual way because then he, he would have a problem in, uh, in surgery. Sure. Tom Holland's mm-hmm. Spider-Man passes out whenever he sees a woman. Dude, don't bring Spider-Man into this. In the, in the MCU, <laughs> he's, like, he's like barely 18 years old. All right, let's move on. This is grossing me out. <laughs> Uh, I have uh, I have I have two tweets for you. All right, hit me. Okay, so I don't know if you saw this, but now that I'm like actively monitoring financial Twitter, I see stuff like this all the time, and it's totally wild. Um, do you want to read both of them? Uh, the tweet says, "I'm convinced the hustle hustle culture literally causes brain damage." I agree. Uh, the first one is. Would you rather get paid one million right now or fifty dollars every month for the rest of your life? I'll take option B. That's what passive income <laughs> is. <sighs> Find a way to make passive income; it will change your life. Now, I mean, mathematically, obviously, that doesn't work. The instincts beyond that are, are nightmarish. Oh, Jesus Christ! Okay, second one: um, B all day. What people don't understand is half that million will be paid in taxes. Fifty dollars a month can be used to pay my cell phone bill, which I'd use to make more pa- more dollars, or my internet bill, which I'd use to get smarter and make more dollars, or rent a power washer each month to make more dollars. Jesus Christ! This is ab- like 
I'm sorry. I went into this thinking like, oh, I know what's going to happen here. I know what these things are going to say. This is mad. This is <laughs> this is this is hustle culture. This is people not Luke, understanding. Just buy maths. a power washer. Buy what? Buy rent a power washer every month, fifty dollars, and you'll be a millionaire. <laughs> Christ, like. <laughs> It is absolutely, it is uh, genuinely, like, is this stuff that is, is, it makes me deeply upset because I think hustle culture has done so much damage and reading stuff like this makes me realize that these people have just never done a spreadsheet where you go, okay, $50 plus, and then just drag, drag the cells down, just drag the cells down and you get, you know, six years down, you're like, oh, I've made not a lot of money. I won't do this. And it's, <laughs> oh, it's all about passive income. It's all about grustling. It's all about grinding and hustling, grustling. I mean, yeah, sure. Like if someone get off you a million dollars or seven different ways to make $50 a month, and I haven't worked this out, or however it would be, 10 different ways, 12 different ways, like some of them might work out, but you can like figure them out later. I, it is just extremely frustrating. Like the the central principles they've got there are correct, but they have done them in such a dumb way. Like if you said... All right, would you take, uh, let's say, a million dollars or $5,000 a month for the rest of your life? Like $5,000 a month for the, rest of your mu- for the rest of your life. Yeah, okay, that's probably worth it because it just about backs out and there's an inflation thing. But if you saved a bit, you could probably make it make sense. Like, sure. But the idea that you could just say no to a million dollars on the basis that, oh God, the math just really annoys me. Like it makes me legitimately angry that people cannot do the maths. So I have, like, spent enough time on these parts of Twitter to, like, see this argument quite often, which is saying, like, you don't want a million dollars because it'll go to taxes. And it's, like, (laughs) kind of like their favorite thing of being, like, no one wants just, like, a lot of money. Everyone wants a lot of small sources of money so that you don't have to pay taxes on it. And it's complete nonsense. Um, The guy also... The guy doesn't explain what the power washer would do. Is it just that you would go power wash things? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. You go power wash things and you get people to pay you a hundred bucks a time for power washing things. So there's more to the conversation. Another user jumped in and wrote, sir, with respect, this is the wrong choice. $50 a month is $600 a year. 600 bucks on $500,000 is a yield of just 0.12%. I could invest that $500,000 in treasuries and make a better return. And then he doubled down and he wrote, you don't understand scale. <laughs> Use $50 to buy 10 tomato plants in six, <laughs> in six months, you have 250, <laughs> in six months, you have 250 tomatoes. Play, plant those 250 plants. Six months, you have 6,250 plants. Plant them. Six months, you have five, you, you have 100, <laughs> 156,000 tomatoes. Plant them. Six months, you have three point... You just plant, you just plant them on top of one another. Just, hey, just plant them. You don't need money for water. You don't need money for uh, the land. You don't need money to feed and clothe yourself while you're doing this. You Everything exists in a complete financial vacuum, so it does not matter. <laughs> God, no, yeah, no. We have to do a full... You know what we should do? We should actually do an extended series of episodes on hustle culture, because it absolutely infuriates me and it is one of these things where people are just like yeah yo, you need this this is how you make money this is how you secure the bag this is how you uh do the thing that'll make you wealthy and it's like it's actually not it is the solution to being 
permanently wealthy is by doing bad things. Like, if you want to be permanently wealthy, <laughs> if you want to be permanently wealthy, what you should do in the UK is go and buy a load of houses in a small town outside Sheffield. That's essentially it. Where is Sheffield in the in the country? The north. Okay. That's actually what you need to do. But also you need money to do that, but you buy one house, you be yada yada yada, and you build it up and flip it. I also think that's a morally reprehensible thing to do. What, be a landlord or own property in Sheffield? Both. Okay. I just think going to Sheffield is morally reprehensible. <laughs> I think living in the north is just a really yeah. bad thing to do. I think the thing about hustle so I have watched a lot of these like videos that sort of like are at the center of this world because like I now technically, you know, run my own business. So I, I've been doing research and you you do it long enough, the algorithm starts to recommend some pretty bad people. And it turns out there's a lot of people on YouTube who want to tell you a bunch of dumb ways to make what they call passive income. And it's the same with newsletters too. And it's the same with blogs. Like there's all these people out there who say things like, you know, start a blog and fill it with ads and make passive income. And, and what they're describing is like grinding mercilessly and soullessly on digital content to create scrapes of money enough so that eventually maybe 10 years from now, you're what they call financially independent. And it's like the dream of all these guys to just like make money without doing anything. But none of them also want to go in like traditional ways, like just owning property or like starting a legitimate business or any of this. And so they're just like sitting online all day talking absolute shit about all of this crap that doesn't make any sense because it sounds cooler than just saying the boring thing, which is like, like start a business, work for a business. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true, but it's. It, hang on, I can I send you? I'm going to send you a link, uh, a TikTok link from a cool TikTok landlord. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. So nine ninety eight thousand pound purchase price. 24,000 pound deposit, 570 pound rental. This is so hard to read. Hold on. 153 pound per month mortgage, 417 pound profit a month. So you're spending all of that money to make 400 pounds a month. No, you're not spending any money. The point is, is that is all profit. No, no, she bought, she bought a prof, she bought a property. Yeah, but she's renting it out. So she's getting more from rent than she is from the mortgage. So what she is saying is that she has a £24,000 deposit, which she can put down on a house, which has a £98,000 purchase price, which means that her mortgage is £150 a month, but she is making £570 in rent. So she's making 400 plus quid a month from just doing nothing with it. And it's like, on the one hand, sure, for you, this is working. For right. literally everyone else involved in this system, it is bad. I mean, there is like, there there are a lot of landlord influencers appearing, which makes sense because it it seems very easy. And like, it seems like a great way to make money. It also, you know, is exactly the kind of thing you're going to see months Possibly weeks before a global financial crisis. <laughs> yes, I've just I've just sent you another one, and this is one you definitely need to watch because it is horrifying. This is a TikToker named Samuel Leeds. Yep. And it says, best place to invest in property. I work in London. I live in Buckinghamshire, but I invest up north. Right now we're in Huddersfield. This is Huddersfield. You buy a house here for like eighty thousand pounds, you're gonna rent it for six hundred pounds. 
in London, you'll buy a house for 800,000 pounds. You're not gonna rent it for 10 times the price. So you wanna buy low, rent high, with a property manager nearby. People say, oh, but Sammy, I have to buy close to where I live so that I can keep an eye on it if there's any problems. That's not financial freedom. That's called a rope around your neck. You wanna buy properties in cheap areas, you wanna rent them high, and you wanna have systems in place and property managers that can make it passive income so that you can have financial freedom. That's called property investing the smart way. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, I'm not sure I've ever heard a more reprehensible thing in my life, actually. I'm, I, <laughs> I, I'm actually genuinely, I'm, I'm practically speechless from that video. We also have, you and I have a mutual friend who lives in that, his family is from that town. That is, I'm, I'm blown away. Wow. Okay. Now I'm going to follow up with the punchline. Punchline? Okay. The genuinely worst punchline. I would like you to go and read this article and see who was responsible for it. Read the headline out loud, maybe. Uh, should I? This is the guy. Wait, hold on. Doncaster property training debt soldier killed himself? Yeah, this was a soldier who spent £13,000 for training with a property company that promises to help people become financially free. The company, run by Samuel Leeds, who is the person whose TikTok you just watched, said people should only purchase courses they can afford. Okay, wait, sorry. I am being bombarded with so much stuff right now. I'm, tr I'm having a hard time processing this. So this guy, Samuel Leeds, yep. has created a property course yep. that people pay uh, 13,000 pounds to go to. Yep. He, he, he uses TikTok to promote himself. Among other things, like all social media, but yeah. Pitching, basically being a slumlord as a way to become financially free and gentrifying yep. like lower income areas in England. Yep. A former soldier killed himself after not making any money through this guy's like TikTok real estate cult, which is what the BBC calls it. Yep. But then there's the other part of this that you didn't mention either, which is that <laughs> Samuel Leeds used to be a magician. Yep. Once again, dude, I'm losing my mind. How, how is how, How is are there it this many magicians, magicians on the internet? How does this keep happening? I mean, I don't want to make light of this story because this is really sad and it's is it absolutely tragic. And these, it's similar to a couple stories that I came across when I was recently reporting a thing for The Verge about crypto scams. And like, you find this stuff everywhere, and it's becoming more common right now because like, there's just so many of these people. But also. How is that guy a magician? Like, how did that... How? How? How is the TikTok real estate guy a magician? Well, because being a magician is essentially being a salesman. Like, that's the deal. Like, what you're trying to do is you're trying to sell a concept, sell a, you know, sell a promise, sell a turn, sell a prestige. Like, that's what you're doing. And yeah, and he's figured out that he had enough money to turn into a property investment thing. And property investment feels like the thing that everyone can invest in. So he's... But, you know, it's the same thing as the best person to be during the gold rush is the guy selling the shovels. Right. And that's what he's doing. He's saying like, I'll sell you the course that explains to you how to make this and puts on a big crash course, brings people in, brings money in. Uh, most of those people don't go on to be successful. Some of them do like, and it should be clear. Like he advertises them pretty heavily on his TikTok channel and on other things, but he is, you know, multiple people who he has trained and mentored have gone on to be very successful i don't know if it's a minority i don't know if it's a majority my suspicion is based on the reporting that it's a minority i don't know how, i don't know if that's one percent or if that's 48 percent. but it, it 
yeah, it's really hard and it's really complicated. And I think that the idea that there is an easy way to build the concept that passive income is the future. And I also think that it's really interesting that people are coming at it from the perspective that it's not that they are trying to be incredibly wealthy. They're not trying to be billionaires. All they're no. trying to do is not work. All they want to do is just be like, hey, like if you told most of these people like, hey, guaranteed £30,000 a month for the rest of your life, you're never going to, you know, go to Mars on a, a, on the Bezos rocket or whatever. But you're going to be pretty comfortable for the rest of your life and you're going to be secure. I think an awful lot of people would take it. And I think that is what's so disturbing about this. It is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It is a get-stable-quick scheme. And that is terrifying. So I'm glad you brought this up because it actually is a perfect tie-in to another thing I wanted to talk about this week, which is the Hacker News Post. So if uh, you listening to this don't know what we're talking about, uh, I'll read it really quick. It's a Hacker News comment that went viral, and it says, I currently have 10 fully remote engineering jobs. The bar is so low, oversight is non-existent, and everyone is so forgiving for underperformance, I can coast 48 weeks before a given job fires me, currently on a $1.5 million run rate for comp this year, and the interviewing process is so much faster today. Companies are desperate. It takes me two to three hours of total effort to land a new job with thousands to choose from. And they go on and on and on, and a lot of people are saying it's fake. Some people are saying it's totally real. But I think it also speaks to this idea that is so prevalent right now, which is that people don't want to work anymore. And it's not because they're lazy. It's because they're absolutely fucking tired and because working is horrible. And and just the modern landscape for labor is so awful that a complete psychopath can go on TikTok and be like, just buy old properties and towns nobody lives in and charge a lot of money and you'll be you'll be you'll never have to work again. And people are like, yes, I will pay you thousands of dollars to tell me how to do that so I don't have to go back to an office because I'm so deeply miserable. Yeah, I think, I think, I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, I think this, this hacker post is an interesting concept of how much you can do in certain, how do I say certain industries? Because it's not quite right, uh, but certain roles where you can say, hey, if I am smart and on the ball and I can cover off the things I need to cover off, I need to cut them off. Like, basically, what this person is saying is that at no point during this has everyone had a crisis at the same time. Like, right. at some point that will happen and it will go extremely wrong for them. Like, that's just how it works. But, yeah, right now, yeah, sure, make your hay. Like, no, it's, it's, it really does speak to this, this thing. And I, I sort of see it as a, as an endpoint of like workplace automation. It's the idea that, you go to work and you immediately have to log into your Slack and you have to check your email and you have your calendar alerts and you have your Zoom calls and your blue jeans meetings and your, you know, your completely booked up day. And then when people went home, when the majority of white collars went home during the COVID pandemic, they were like, this sucks ass. <laughs> I fucking hate this. And there's no need for me to be in an office because nothing has changed in terms of my work output, and yet I'm still logged into Slack, I'm still logged into Zoom, I'm still doing all these things. And so I think we're just seeing a really quick erosion of work. Like nobody really wants, nobody, people are realizing their like jobs aren't necessary. Like really, like not in the way that we, we think they are. Like 
Most companies need people obviously to work for them, but they don't need people to work for them the way they're currently working for them, which is a like proof of work model, like being busy as a means to prove that you're valuable. That's not a good life. That's not a good career. That's not a good job. That's nothing. And I think that we're just seeing this all change really quickly. So I have a slightly different take on that just because, you know, working in the newsroom, you, you do actually need people on at certain times of the day to cover the news of course Uh, but i do also i do also understand like you know i've done some of my best work at 10 o'clock when i thought "Hmm, i have an idea i think i can make this work and i've sat down for an hour and a half a spreadsheet at you know 10 p.m figured it out and i'm like great sort the thing out i'm not going to get credit for that that's not really how it works but i do think that there is more i think there's a a wider flexibility that needs to yeah, I think there's more flexibility that needs to be introduced to work. Like, you do need people to be on to do certain things. And obviously, a lot of what we're talking about here is white-collar jobs. Uh, if you are working in a factory, if you're working in a distribution center, if you're working in a bar or a cafe or any one of these numerous jobs uh, which need you to physically be there most of the time, it's like a different situation. But it also does kind of speak to, you know, when I used to work in those jobs, which was there were quiet times. And that's fine. Right. And I think that a lot of jobs need to make the make hay with the quiet times and say, like, hey, we will accept that between three AM and sorry, between three PM and six PM on a Tuesday, there is gonna be no one in the bar. Like there is stuff you're gonna have to do, like the 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 always myth in, in bars is always be cleaning, like there's always something to clean, which is true. But also like maybe what you can do is if that worker is standing there and being like hey this is chill i'm gonna stand here and read a book for a bit they're gonna be much more into helping at the nine o'clock rush yeah i mean this is this this is a very american thing too but like there are no places you can live in america and afford the average rent and make minimum wage like that's yeah there there is no place in america where you can do that which means the majority of non-white color workers are possibly working up to two jobs. It's I've heard I've heard cases of up to like three or four. Sure. And and then those jobs are typically becoming jobs that aren't owned by like, you know, a person. They're owned by like a company. Like you're working for a chain or you're working for like in the in the area where I grew up in, there are very few places anymore that aren't owned by some like national or multinational corporations. Like you're just not going to go somewhere. And and this is true for pubs in the UK. I mean, the amount of times I would walk into a pub and discover it was secretly like a green Smith's or whatever. And it was a corporate pub. Green King. Yeah, Green King. So interestingly, this has actually become worse post-pandemic because there are a small number of pub companies that have taken over a bunch of pubs that people were desperately trying to get out of. Out of. So like there is like a South London pub company that's taken over like, you know, a hundred pubs and, and, and like... Yeah, it's a thing, but that is a genuine thing that a bunch of more pubs, independent pubs, have come under the aegis of pub chains. Right. And so to take this all the way back to like that absolute scumbag on TikTok is like you come out of the pandemic, you know that you hate your job. You know that whether it's uh, an Uber driver, a bartender, a white collar worker, you you i guess apparently chrissy teigen like you hate your you hate your job and you you have nothing really to do 
you uh, you can't really afford to do anything other than just like shit post on the internet or like use consumer technology. And so you start like going down rabbit holes and then you find these magicians who are promising you passive income <laughs> and a way to never have to do this again. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And it's just getting worse before it gets better because like we just need to smash the status quo workers of the world unite listen to me listen to this podcast we have to you have nothing to lose but your chains brothers i, I don't know it's just <laughs> and sisters brothers and sisters i'm sorry yeah yes. i was being dramatic but yeah it's crazy and it's bad and it's it's one of these things that it feels like now we're kind of flooding back in the other direction that it has not gone we have not figured out what truly important lessons we could have taken from this oh which reminds me i have another i have another thing that we can talk about I really want to talk about the uh, state of California's releasing of the mask mandate, which did not involve any doctors, any nurses, any of those people, but it did involve all of the most valuable intellectual property that was based in California, including uh, the Minions, uh, Jurassic Park, uh, 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 Transformers was in there. Well, those are our most trusted public advisors, Luke. Sure. If okay. Optimus Prime tells me it's safe to go outside without a mask, I will believe him. He has the all spark of leadership inside of him. If you can't trust Optimus Prime, who can you trust? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean that is technically true. Uh, I just think it's incredible that there's like Gavin Newsom on a stage behind the minions, behind like some troll dolls, uh, behind just a bunch of other stuff that is like, hey, we've come out of the pandemic. The minions are back. Nature is healing. The, yeah. the, well, the minions, sometimes they go, so this is canon for minions, but sometimes they go into a cave and they wait out like really bad events. I think this is a plot device to make sure the minions don't have to help Hitler. Because, <laughs> uh, sure. you know, the minions gravitate towards the most evil person in history. And so that right there means that there cannot be a minions movie that takes place between like 1935 and like 1944. Right. Exactly. They want they want fun evil, like uh, King George III or Gavin Newsom. Hitler, <laughs> too far. <laughs> That's right. You want Napoleon Bonaparte or uh, Gavin Newsom. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I've got to be real. Like, the California vaccination rate is essentially the same as the UK vaccination rate, and we are having a, a research right now. Like, everything's going up in a lot of places. And it is absolutely insane to watch California being like, nah, I think we got this. Bro, New York City shot fireworks off the other night yes, to celebrate seventy percent. It's fucking insane. <laughs> like it also, is just it is it is not seventy percent of people. It is seventy percent of adults, which is not the same. That's not how herd immunity works. It's not the same. And like just just like I don't know. I don't know. I, I you know I don't know. <laughs> it's it's not it's not it's not like Andrew Cuomo to ever celebrate before the thing is done. Uh, as we as we approach a, the year anniversary of his book of how to handle a pandemic. Oh, I feel like, you know, one thing we can all agree on is that Andrew Cuomo really came out on top through this whole last year. <laughs> I mean, ironically, he did. And somehow. Annoyingly, yeah. Hey, yeah. Luke, have you consumed any content to stay sane this week? I've consumed the Euros. I'm watching football. That's my thing. How are the How are the Euros? 
Uh, really intense. Uh, it's been fun. England won a game. Uh, tough game. Got through it. Got beat the people who beat Croatia. Actually, no, you're here in the UK when we lost to Croatia. Oh, that's right. And then I went to Croatia and then they lost. Yes. Yes. You were the, the curse. Sure. Um, yes. Yeah. No. So it was, uh, it's been good. It's been good fun. Uh, it's been very strange because it's been all over the place and, and all the grounds have had like 10,000 people back in here and 20,000 people back in here. But I think the most interesting thing to talk about is what happened to Christian Eriksen. And I'm sorry, I'm going to bring the mood of this right back down again. But he yeah, man, a, you have just been an absolute... Yeah, just... I know. I'm a bummer tonight. I'm sorry. But I did find it kind of fascinating to watch online because I basically, I left the house to go and buy some dinner and I was also going to stop by a pub to watch the second half. And I stopped in like one pub and I was like, ah, oh, weird. No, no football on. I assume that they just decided not to show it, whatever. Went to the next pub and it wasn't. I was like, that is weird. And then I checked my phone and I discovered that, yeah, Christian Eriksen had a cardiac arrest and everyone was losing their minds and they were losing their minds because not just that he had it which was i don't know i personally found it really traumatizing the next day i i, I may have cried a bit it was like it was a really wow. strange event it was it was really intense but watching people talk about it meant that it just immediately distanced it because everyone's mad at the bbc is showing the wrong thing actually it's not the bbc it's the host broadcaster the bbc should cut it off they should have done this they should move back and forth and uefa doing this wrong and it was just like it was such a moment of just an awful time to even look at social media because I was just trying to figure out what was going on and I just immediately felt awful because everyone was saying the wrong thing and everyone was just like I was like guys this is not the point of this isn't blame like yeah there are people have made mistakes during this process they made pretty bad mistakes but it just made me feel a thousand times worse listening to everyone yell about who is to blame for showing at the wrong time I was like Sure, yeah, they should not have shown a picture of his wife thinking that she watched him die. I mean, they did zoom in on his wife crying as she thought that he had died. It was, but like, I at that point was not... I think anyone jumping on that as a signal of that BBC did this wrong or the TV networks did this wrong. Obviously they did, but also this is not a useful thing and it just felt like everyone was jumping on it to attempt to get retweets out of their criticism of people criticizing what was happening. It was just like, I don't know. It felt, it felt really intense and really unpleasant and I could not properly process it. However, to bring it back up again. Yes. Cause Christian Eriksen is okay. I'm very happy about that. He's a beautiful player. And by all accounts, a, an extremely nice man. Uh, the England game was on the Sunday. Uh, I went to a pub that I had not been to in 15 months. Uh, I'm not going to say it on, on, on the, on the uh, live, but I went to a pub that I've not been to in 15 months. It's a pub that you have been to a lot as well. Uh, they said that they would not let any people on their own in, but I watch football on my own. That's what I've always done. I go in and I chat to whoever's at the bar, whoever's at the table, whatever. Like, and No, you sit in complete silence with a beer at 11 o'clock in the morning and you watch football. That's not what happens. It's, it's normal times in the UK. But okay, <laughs> I I walked up to the door and I was like, "Hey, I know you guys do solos. Like, are you, can you let me in?" And then and the one goes like, "You're always here. You can come in." And it's been 15 months since I've been in that pub, and because of my local and because they recognised me, they just let me in as the only person on their own that they let in to watch the game. And I felt extremely emotional as a result. So you're saying that you drink so often at this bar that even within 15 months, they still remembered you. Yes. That's that's nice in a certain way, I think. It was. It felt extremely nice. And I, I walked in, I sat at a table, and I, 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 I teared up. Because <laughs> I hadn't been there. I, I Genuinely, I hadn't been there since. And, like, you know, what? Like, that's what you want from a pub. You want just want people to know that. 
Yeah, you want people to. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Exactly. And they don't know my name, but they know my they know my beard and my bun and that all good. <laughs> what content have you been consuming to stay sane? I devoured the entire season of Mayor of Easttown, which is phenomenal. If you haven't really? watched it, it's really good. Also, you'd appreciate it because uh, many of the characters have a Pennsylvania accent, which is without question the most outrageous accent in America. <laughs> I can't yes. really do one. Use John's, use water, uh, water. I can't really do it. It's really hard. It's really, really hard. Can I just say I'm really looking forward to this Always Sunny in Philadelphia series about the last year and a half i am i am also i think that's when we can finally heal as a as a, yes. as a global village um but so i have something i have something sort of tied to mayor of east town that i've been thinking about that i wanted to bring up on the show which is you know i finished the show and then i immediately want to look up like what's being talked about and i knew that mayor of east town was sort of a buzzy show but i watched it last week so i missed like all of the tweets and stuff and i found this piece on mashable uh that is sort of about the show and like having problems with the finale, which has like a bunch of like double, triple fake out kind of twists. Sure. But then the piece kind of devolves into this really weird thing where the writer is basically angry at the Twitter hype, making them think that the show is going to be a certain way. And it was really interesting because like you and I have gone through this with like Marvel stuff before, like WandaVision. I was pretty convinced uh, that Reed Richards was going to appear. Uh, and yeah. then there was the Mephisto thing. Wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. So was it from the perspective of someone who hadn't watched any of it and then watched it and was like, this entire show is not the same thing or just like the ending was not where they thought it was going? No, it's somebody who they were upset at the level of hype from people about the show. Okay, it was just not as good as they were expecting. Not even that. It was just like, I'll get a quote. Hold on. I really enjoyed the show, but watching this series all at once and against a backdrop of intense hype made its flaws stick out. And one choice, well, three choices actually made me sour on the series in a big way. And then they go on to explain all of it and all the different bait and switches. But the piece is like very strange because it's clearly just like a person who saw people tw tweeting about it and then went to watch it and like it didn't live up to it. And like, of course it can't because nothing can. But I think it's really interesting that like we're hitting sort of like a level of like live tweet culture where no matter what the kind of show is, if it gets popular enough, like it just cannot survive the onslaught of hype online. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's probably correct. It, it, it really pisses me off and it really depresses me, like, how far we are down the, the loop of, I think this show needs to do this, it hasn't done this, I hate it. Right. Like, it's one of the, it's one of the, actually the really interesting reasons why, like, particularly during the pandemic, we've been watching a lot of shows that are much older, not much older, but like, you know, four or five years older, they're, they're wrapped up, they're done shows. Because you're not gonna get deal, have to deal with the like overhype of what the answer's gonna be or what the twist is gonna be or whatever it's gonna be. It's just like I'm gonna watch this show and I'm gonna purely take it in as the the art that it's meant to be. And sometimes it's super disappointing, admittedly. Like some of these shows are bad, but it gives you a much better baseline. Yeah, yeah. I don't, and I don't really know what how you fix that sort of thing. Other than just, like, people have to stop looking at Twitter, which seems unrealistic. Yeah, no, it's just one of the things. The show's broken. All the TV's broken. All the entertainment's broken. And <laughs> you never have to deal with it. <laughs> Woo! Uh, but you know what's not broken, though? Post-post-credit scene. Before we end this week, we need to uh, declare a winner. We opened up voting on Discord uh, with a bunch of different options. I've been checking on the Discord, but I haven't checked recently. So this is going to be a surprise 
for me right now. So I'm going in. Okay, I'm going into the the thing here. So our we ended up with a couple different options. We had the Saw franchise. We had the Has Fallen franchise. We had the Matrix. We had all the Spider-Man movies. We had the Before Sunrise movies, which I thought would be like a nice, you know, thing for you and me to do together. Just watch all the Before Sunrise films. Uh, then we had the Bad Max franchise, and finally Lord of the Rings. So, I think the franchise. I think the franchise we missed was the Paddington franchise. That was a huge. I mistake. just watched Paddington two like a week ago. I can't do it again. Okay, too emotional. It's really. I mean, Paddington two is great. Everyone should watch Paddington two. It's the best movie ever made. Okay, so here's where we're at at uh, Wednesday night. We have four votes for Saw, four votes for The Has Fallen, 13 votes for The Matrix, 15 votes for the Spider-Man movies, six votes for the Before Sunrise movies, uh, 11 votes for Mad Max, and seven votes for Lord of the Rings. So it looks like we're doing Spider-Man. Oh, being an extremely calendar nerd here, I think what we should do is we should start with The Matrix movie. We'll figure out a time we can both watch the new Fast and the Furious movie. We'll insert that at some point during it, then we'll do the Matrix movies, then we'll do the Spider-Man movies. And that, I think, will take us through nicely to the end of the year. I think we got to respect the poll, Luke. I think we're respecting the poll by doing both of those two things next. Okay, fine. We will do the Matrix first, fit in Fast and the Furious whenever we can do it, COVID permitting. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. we all do Spider-Man, and that is post-post-credit scene for the rest of the year, Deal. I guess. Deal. Or, or whenever we run out of those movies. Also... This is the end of our grab bag series. Thank you guys for sticking around for like three kind of like unfocused, fun, more casual shows. Also, if you like this, let us know. I mean, we can just abandon the format we've been doing for the last like, you know, (laughs) eight months. I'm happy to do that. But, you know, we're, we're always trying to like make this show as interesting for us to do as it is for you guys to listen to. I think I'm going to redo the theme music finally for next week's show. And I think we should just call next week's episode one of season two. I'm up for that. I'm up for that. I feel like we're, we're, I am, I don't know, you, I mean, you're already vaccinated, you're already done with the thing, but I'm now, I'm like six weeks away from my second vaccination. This is, we're opening up, we're getting there. I think this is season two. I think let's do season two. This is Content Mind season two. I have like some new thoughts about where everything's headed. I feel like rejuvenated. I feel like I'm ready to go. And I think we should just like delete all of our previous episodes from our feed, start brand new, <laughs> and let's go that. for it. But yeah, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will be back next week with, uh, with season two. This is very exciting. We're doing season two now. Uh, this yeah. season apparently has been 56 episodes long, 57 episodes long, oh, Jesus 57 Christ. episodes long. All right. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Bye-bye, guys. I love you. See ya.